Dang, those are so good, right? Hume Lake uh, hired Netflix to film those. I'm just kidding. There's no way. There's no way. But those are so good. They're like professionally done. So awesome. How are you guys? Are you guys, are you guys awake? If you said no, you're awake, right? But the people who didn't answer, so one more time. Are you awake? Yeah. All right, good. Well, hey, guys, I'm excited to be back up here. I'll be here with you this entire week. And like I said, I truly believe God's going to be saying some stuff to you and he is going to move. So uh, if you guys remember from yesterday, we talked about how God is holy, right? The dominating question of this week is who is God? And God is holy. And as you saw in this um, beautiful Netflix original, talked about how holiness demands justice. Holiness demands justice. And he ended like, I love the iconic, have it your way. Like it just made me think of Burger. You guys remember Burger King's like slogan, like have it your way? You guys remember that? Or is that, am I just, I just I'm a boomer. I get it. I'm a little bit too old, but um, it makes me kind of hungry. But he just says, have it your way. And I love, you know, when Phineas Rowe was like, why do I need justice? He's like, well, because you don't believe and because you don't believe, you don't love. And because you don't love, you don't obey. It's so beautiful. If we don't believe that God is holy and we don't, we don't follow his holiness and we don't love and we don't obey. And that is what we want to do. We want to love and obey. So who is God? We found out he's holy. What does holy mean? It's not like Crocs. Holy is set apart, perfect. He is the goat. He's the standard with which everything is measured against. God is holy. He is perfect. That is who he is. And so as I, uh, as I shared, he's also relational. So not only is he holy and perfect and, and really way different than us, He's also relational and he says, hey, Mose, Mose, and he calls him. He says, will you come near to me because I want a relationship with you. So this holy God, this good and perfect God is also relational. But as we just saw, holiness demands justice in the same way I talked about how we destroyed my friend's house with water balloons. I had no regard for how much effort and how good and how valuable a house is. And because of that, I ran around with my dusty, musty, sheep poop crusty shoes all over the house and we destroyed it. And so when we don't see how holy God is and we just run all over it with those things, holiness demands justice. So today we're looking at this scene where Moses is still at the burning bush. So if you guys have your Bibles, can you guys throw your Bibles up in the er? er? Throw your Bibles up in the er? All right, good. Awesome. You guys will need this all week. So open up to Exodus chapter 5. We'll be in Exodus chapter 5 today. So big number 5. You guys can find that. Use the table of contents if you need it. There's no shame. All right, and as you're opening up to Exodus chapter 5, we are still at the burning bush, and I'm going to read Exodus chapter 3 real quick. You don't need to turn there. But in verse 19 and 20, it says this. this. is what God says. God says, I know that the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand, and I will strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. See, what God is saying here is he's saying, I know Pharaoh. I know his heart. 
And, and so we, we read this story of God doing the plagues and God pulling Israel out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And we're kind of like, why did he have to do that? Well, this, is, this right here shows us God knows that Pharaoh has continually rejected God. God knows that Pharaoh has hardened his heart against him. God knows that Pharaoh is rebelling against him and will not turn unless God shows up in miraculous ways. And so God says this, I know Pharaoh's heart. And then he wants to send Moses. Don't you think God could have just struck some lightning or he could have done something different? But the reality is, is God loves to partner with his people. And so God says, hey, Moses, I want to partner with you. God loves to partner with his people. So, so for you, God could change someone's heart at your school. God could change your family's heart. God could change that person on your soccer team's heart. But the reality is that we see in the Bible, God loves to partner with us. So he absolutely wants that person on your soccer team, that, pus- that, that person on your football team, that person in your class, that person at your home, like your brother or sister. He wants them to have their heart changed to move towards God. But the reality is, is God wants to use you. In the same way, God wanted to use Moses here to change Pharaoh's heart. He called Moses to partner with him. He calls you to partner with him as well. God loves to partner with us. But like us, Moses has a lot of excuses. You guys, you guys have excuses sometimes when God's like, hey, I want you to go talk to that person. And you're like, well, ah, you know, they're going to think I'm weird. I had a baseball coach when I was growing up, and he said excuses are like armpits. I was like, that's weird. He says, we all have them, and they all stink. You're like, oh, I have two armpits. So I got two excuses. They all stink. So this is the thing. He has excuses. And so this is what Moses says. Moses says to God, they won't believe me. And we, we sit here, and we're like, yeah, kind of. You killed a guy. You don't have very good of a reputation. But Moses is like, God, they won't believe me. And I want to pause real quick because I want to highlight God doesn't use Moses when he's perfect. So this excuse of, man, they're not going to believe me. I'm not good enough. I killed a guy. I ran away. Those are all Moses' excuses. But the reality is that we see with God right here is God doesn't wait for Moses to be perfect. In fact, God looks at Moses while he's at his worst while you are at your worst, when you were in that one moment that you would be so mortified if anybody knew, when you were in your room all by yourself and no one could see, in that darkest moment, or when you felt the lowest, your anxiety was at its highest, God loved you there. In the same way that God loves Moses, even when he's in his darkest moment. And he's not going to put up with his excuses because God says, my love is stronger than your excuses. I love you too much. I want to partner with you. And so we see this with Moses. And, and so God says to Moses, I'll give you signs. And so he says, take, you know, right here, he says, take your hat off and throw that down. And it's going to become a snake. And you're like, that's pretty cool. You can just throw a hat down and it becomes a snake. But then Moses is like, yeah, yeah, that is pretty cool, God. But I ain't smart and I ain't good with words and stuff. Moses says, I, I, I'm slow of speech. And God is like, yo, dude, I made mouths. I got you. And then Moses is like, nah, God, just send someone else. You guys ever been to that place? 
You've gotten to the end of all of your excuses and God is just like, cut them all down. He's like, no, no, I am with you. I want to use you. And finally, at the end of it, your, your heart comes out and you're just like, I just don't want to. God, send someone else. And God is just like, dude, to Moses, you're being so difficult. I've got you. But God's like, but you have a brother, right? His name's Aaron. Aaron's good at speaking. Aaron's smart. So I'll have Aaron go with you too, because you got, you got all these excuses. I'm just going to keep giving you something. So Aaron will go with you. And so this is what he's saying, but he says, most importantly, more than Aaron going with you, I will be with you. And so they go. And now we find ourselves in Exodus chapter five, one through nine. Afterward, Moses and Aaron, his brother, went to, see, uh, went to say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall on us with pestilence and with sword. But the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens? The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and the foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they, are, that they made in the past, you shall impose the same amount on them. By no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Man, Phineas Rowe, savage, right? But reread, reread verse 2. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? That's the question this week. Who is this God? Who is Jireh? And Pharaoh's saying, who is this Lord? I don't know him. Straight up, Pharaoh's saying, I don't care. I don't know the Lord, and I don't really care to know the Lord. And him, like me, remember when I told you my story growing up, I thought to myself, man, God isn't really that good. And honestly, I'm not really that bad. Pharaoh's saying, mm, who is this Lord? He's not that great. Here's the reality. I want to run my own life. And whether or not we've said those words, we do say that with our life when we're like, okay, God, I know you said that I should go love that person. God, I know you said that, that I should participate in this thing. But reality is, is I just want to watch Netflix and play Fortnite. Is Fortnite dead? Nah, never going to die. Here's a quick question for you, and I promise this will tie back in later. When you guys see a sign, and the sign says, do not touch, what do you do? Okay, cool. Just, just, just checking. Just checking. So Pharaoh says, who is the Lord? I don't know him. And again, like we said, God is holy, right? He is other. He is separate. He is the goat. Right? He's the greatest of all time. He's perfect and powerful. But Pharaoh wanted to be the goat. 
Pharaoh said, I don't care who the Lord is because I'm better. Pharaoh wanted to run his own life. He wanted it his way. And so then we read, if you guys can flip over one more to chapter 6, verses 5 through 6, and this is God speaking. Verses 5 through 6. God says, moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel when the Egyptians, um, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring them out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment." So finally, God's like, all right, I'm going to do something because I remember my people. I love my people. And because of that, because Pharaoh's heart is hardened, I'm going to bring them out. Yesterday we said, God's holiness demands justice. And so we know the story. If you guys know this story, that there's 10 plagues that God pours out, right? The Nile turns to blood. There are frogs and gnats and flies and livestock and boils and hail and locusts and darkness and ultimately death. Have you guys ever read those things and you're like, why those things? What's up with locusts? Why, why the gnats? Why darkness? But here's, here's what God is doing. God is not only bringing justice on Pharaoh, but like I said yesterday, when Moses was like, God, who are you? I know about other gods. It's because Egypt worshiped a bunch of gods. And Egypt had a God for the sun. And so God was like, hey, I'm gonna show you I'm better than your little God, darkness. They had a God of the ground. He says, I'm better than your God of the ground, gnats. They had a God of the Nile, and so he says, I just want to prove to you I'm better than your little God of the Nile. I'm stronger, therefore the Nile will turn into blood. And so every one of these plagues, God is proving over and over again, these little G gods, these small gods, these fake gods are nothing compared to me. And Pharaoh, you're nothing compared to me. I'm holy. I'm showing you who I am. I am powerful. And so you guys might be sitting here, like I sat there when I read this, and I'm like, they sacrificed to these little gods? They sacrificed so that they could have rain? I mean, come on. We're way past that, right? We're at science camp, right? We know, we know that rain happens. You know, we know, we know how to look at the weather app. We know when rain's going to come. We don't need a sacrifice for rain to come. And so it's easy to read this story and be like, dude, they're just ancient people who don't know anything. I would never sacrifice for rain. But then as I thought about that, I started realizing, I was like, is it actually that weird? Because we might not sacrifice for rain to come, but we sacrifice a whole lot more so that we can become popular. We may not sacrifice so that the sun will shine every day, but we sacrifice so much more so that we can be loved by everybody else. We may not sacrifice for all of these other things, but we sacrifice so much more so that we can be beautiful and people can say you are worthy. See, even though we don't have little g gods that we say, oh, you're the God of rain, we absolutely worship things. We were made to worship. And so if you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something else. Worshiping popularity, 
worshiping looks, worshiping stability, worshiping grades, worshiping your athleticism. And, and here's how you can tell if that thing were taken away from you. You're an athlete and all of a sudden you like break your leg, you can't play anymore. What happens to your life? It all falls apart. It's because you've been building your life worshiping athleticism. And so we can look at this and say, man, they're so ancient for worshiping these other gods, but we worship gods all the time. And God wants to say, just as he said to them, I am better, I am more holy, I am perfect. And those gods will not satisfy you. And so this is what's going on with the 10 plagues. Pharaoh deserves this. We can read this and we can be like, man, those plagues are pretty harsh, especially the one where like a firstborn's going to die. That's pretty insane. But let me just read off a list. Pharaoh has enslaved an entire people group. That's pretty bad, right? We agree? We're not down for that. Pharaoh used people for his own gain. Pharaoh believed he was a god. Pharaoh used witchcraft and divination. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh forced harsh, unrealistic labor on people. Pharaoh straight up rejected God. Oh, don't forget the fact Pharaoh killed babies. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. And then Pharaoh fought against God. And this is only what we read in the Bible. There's probably so much more that wasn't written down in the Bible about what Pharaoh did. Pharaoh deserves this. After hearing this, how do you feel about justice? We're kind of like, yeah, that makes sense that he gets this. And here's the thing. We, we, we might be like, I don't really like justice, right? Unless you watch like the new Batman and you're like, I like justice, right? I am, I am vengeance, Right? So we, we, but we actually like justice, right? Because here's the thing. We don't want a serial killer to get off with a ticket. We want a serial killer to be locked away from people. God would not be good if he wasn't just. In the same way that a cop, a police officer, wouldn't be good if he let a serial killer off with a ticket. Oh, here you go, $10 ticket. Go do your thing. That's not a good police officer. We love justice. We know that there are bad things in this world and we know that bad things need to be accounted for. We don't want serial killers running around. We love justice. But here's a story. Um, when I, was, uh, I first got my, my driver's license, you guys are still pretty far away from that. I first got my driver's license, um, but I learned as I was reading the books on driver's licenses that pe pedestrians are first. And so I remember walking the streets and I saw a little crosswalk and I was like, I'm going to walk across the street. I know that it's not my turn, but I'm doing it anyways. Peds first, right? And so I start walking across the street and this person, like, like they're getting real close to me with their car because they're upset. I'm walking in front of them, but I'm like, hey, hold up. Peds first. It's the law. I read about it. And so I'm like, you back off. Peds first. And I, I felt so good because I was like being all just. But then I got in the car. And I'm driving and I pull up to a stop sign and this sweet old lady just starts walking across with her walker. And I'm like, dude, come on. I'm like gripping the handle. I'm like, hurry up, grandma. And I'm like trying to yell at her, pick up your walker and go. Like I got places to be. I got to go to Burger King and eat food. Like all of a sudden I'm like, this is not okay. Grandma, you are way too slow, right? We love justice until we're the one who deserves it. 
We love to be the person who says, you're wrong, I'm right, until you're the one who's actually wrong. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned, every one of us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God's holy standard, we all fall short. Romans 6.23 then says that the wages of that sin, the cost of that sin is death. We've all sinned, every one of us, and we all fall short of God's standard and the wages of sin is death. So let me illustrate this real quick. Um, just imagine that this is like the standard, right? And so we've got Pharaoh. If this were like, like, if this were like a standard, where would you put Pharaoh? You put him on the bottom, like right here? All right, we got Pharaoh. Lower? All right, Pharaoh's just on the ground. All right, where would you put God? How, I, can't, I can't reach that high. Like outside? Outside? Okay, God, God's up there. I, I can't reach up there. So God's up there, okay? So we know God is outside of... God's up there, I promise. All right? So God's up there. Pharaoh's down here, right? So we got a standard. Where would you put Post Malone? Well, I remember, God's up there. Pharaoh's here. Where's Post? Lower? Higher? I can tell who likes Post Malone based off, okay, Post is going right there. Post is right there. Post is right here. Post is right here. Okay. Martin Luther King Jr. How high? Like right here? You put him lower? I'm putting, I'm putting Martin Luther King Jr. right here. Harry Styles. Oh, you say down, they say up. Wait, 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 pause, 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 pause. Above or below post? There's Harry. There's Harry, it's okay, it's okay. Because this next one is the most important. You. Do you think you're better than Harry? Yeah. Let's put you right, right there. You're like, all right. We love to compare. We love it. I love to walk around and I love to think about myself and say, well, at least I'm not that. Yeah, I did mess up there, but at least I didn't mess up as bad as that guy. Hey, I'm feeling pretty good. I got an A plus on my test. What'd you get? B? We love to compare. So as long as we're comparing, let's just, let's just play with this for a little bit. Because we can read that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you can be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a bit extreme. But in this comparison, we're closer to Pharaoh than we are to God. See, we, we could be like, well, I'm not that bad. Okay. But you're closer to Pharaoh than you are to God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, you, me, Post Malone, MLK, we have all fallen short. 
We have all sinned. And now I'm going to talk about sin. We have all sinned. Sin is one of those words that no one wants to talk about. So let's just talk about it. It literally means you miss the mark. If God is the holy standard, we are less than that standard. It's any thought, any action, or any attitude that falls short of God's holy standard. We have all sinned. And sin is actually the easiest thing to prove, but the hardest thing to accept. Here's how I know. How many of you guys ride your bikes to school? None of you. Wow. Where I live, everyone rides their bikes to school. Okay, cool. But if you rode your bike to school, just imagine, and you guys park it, you know, in your little bike lock area, do you lock your bike or not? Yes. Why? Okay, because people are going to steal it. Now, this next one's going to be impossible for you to fathom, but you left your phone on a table and walked away for 30 minutes. You would never, you would never leave your phone unattended for 30 minutes, not only because you need to touch it and look at it and scroll, but also because you don't want it to get stolen. Here's the thing. Every one of us knows people have hurt us. People have hurt us. But we also know that we've hurt people. We know that there's brokenness in the world. We know the world isn't as it should be. Sin is the easiest thing to prove, but it's the hardest thing for us to accept. You had already admitted that you would touch something that says don't touch. Just saying, you said it. And you don't think that we have a problem. And you could be like, no, 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 but I'm not that bad. No, all have sinned. You could be like, but I haven't killed anybody. Yeah, all have sinned. Oh, but I don't, I don't bully people. I know but all have sinned. I get good grades. Yeah. All have sinned. Romans 6.23 says the minimum wage of that sin is death. Now in California, I don't know what it's like in Nevada, but in California, minimum wage is like $15. So the minimum price, 16, wow, inflation. The minimum price of what it costs for our sin, for us being closer to Pharaoh than to God. Every thought, action, or attitude we have that is not with God, but actually against God. Every time we sin, the minimum cost of that is death. And you guys could be like, wait, hold up. That seems still a bit extreme. Why did it have to be death? Why did it have to be death? And when I say death, physical death, yes, absolutely. We will all die one day, and that's a consequence of sin if you read Genesis but spiritual death, separation from God. And, and, and here's, here's how I want to illustrate this. So where, where's my boy Joshua at? Joshua, I, you were helping me out this morning. Where you at? Josh, where you at? Josh? Yeah, what up? All right, Josh, Josh is incredible. Helped like filled up all the water. Like it was incredible. You guys should meet Josh. He's awesome. Yeah, let's give a round of applause to Josh. Yeah. All right, but imagine this. I walk over to Josh and I was like, hey, Josh, thank you so much for cleaning my table this morning. Whack! And I smacked him in the face. Yeah, I know you're a bit confused. Hey, what would happen if I did that? I think, I think Josh is, I think, oh yeah, this is very relevant right now, huh? Um, I, I, think, I think Josh's dad, you probably have some words with me. I'd probably get in a lot of trouble, right? Okay. Um, I'm also really strong, but you know, Josh looks really strong, so he might not cry. Um, 
So that would happen if, if I slapped Josh. What would happen if, if, if Jeb was up here, right? You know, incredible mustache. And I was, I was like, hey, Jeb, what's up, man? I like your mustache. And I just smacked Jeb in the face. What would happen? I don't think I'd go to jail. I would, I would for sure not be up here tomorrow. I would get, I would get fired from speaking. Um, I'd be sent down the mountain and I would never be asked to come back to Hume Lake, ever. Right, that was, that, that'd be if I smacked Jeb in the face. Okay, so let's keep going. I have a boss, um, he's, he's my senior pastor. And what if I walked up to him, his name's Benji. And I was like, hey, Benji, great sermon on Sunday. Bap! And gave him a, a massive slap. What would happen? I would get fired, right? I would get fired from my job if I slapped my boss. Okay, we also, I live in San Diego. And so as every place does, we have police officers. And what if I walked up to San Diego Police Department and I said, what's up, Mr. Officer? And I gave him just an uppercut. What would happen to me then? I would go to jail, right? For assaulting a police officer. And now what if I walked up to the sweet, ancient queen of England? And I said, your royalty, two hands. And I just double smacked her right in the face. Would, all right guys, bring it back, bring it back. Would my hands even touch her face? No, because there are people, secret guard type people, who are on buildings waiting for someone to do something dumb like that, who have snipers that would take me out. I wouldn't even get close enough. So here's my point. Because many times when I read, man, the wages of sin is death, separation from God, why does it have to be that extreme? Would a loving God, maybe you've said this, maybe you've heard this, man, if God is loving why would a loving God require such a big consequence for my sin? I'm not hurting anybody. But as we saw here, as status increases, so does consequence. As the status of people increase, as it goes from my boss to the police department to the Queen of England, as status increases, so does consequence. So when we ask that question, why would a loving God demand such a high price for sin? We're not questioning his love. We're questioning his holiness. What we're saying is, God, I don't actually think you're that good. God, I don't think that you're better than the Queen of England because I would die if I slapped her. So when we say, God, if you're loving, why would you send someone to such a harsh place? Why would you do that? Because we slap God all the time. We say, God, I know better than you. So when we sin, we say, God, I know better than you. When we ask that question, we're saying, God, I don't think you're that good. That's why we started off with God's holiness. He is that good. So yes, you aren't like Pharaoh, because you might be sitting here and you're like, I've never killed babies. I don't worship other gods. I'm not in that much of a rebellion. And the reality is, is some sins are worse than others, right? You can look at it and be like, yeah, murder is probably worse than lying. God sees the difference, but let me also highlight God sees the similarities. We are more like Pharaoh than we think. In this story, 
We can look at Phineas Rowe and you're like, man, he's just the worst. But the reality is, is we are closer to Pharaoh than we are to God. I mean, notice the gap. Do you see it? Do you see the gap, the expanse between Pharaoh and us? The gap is too wide. There's no way that we could ever get to God. You cannot pray enough. You can't get good grades enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't tell the truth enough. You should do all of those things, but you can't do it as a way of traversing this gap because if you notice, the gap is far too wide. God is that good. He is that holy, and yes, we are that bad. We cannot save ourselves. And maybe you've been sitting here and you're like, I think I could do it. I could be good enough. I could achieve it. But if you look at the gap, it's too wide. We need a savior. Ephesians 2 starts off like this. And you were dead. The wages of sin were death. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That's, that's the devil. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, right? In sin, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But verse four starts off like this, right? I mean, like those first three verses, we were by nature children of wrath. We were dead in our sins and transgressions. We could not travel the gap. And then verse four starts off and says, but God. And tonight we're going to talk about how God, how God shows up because this gap is far too wide. We need a Savior. Pray with me. God, we realize, honestly, in a heavy message like this, um, it's hard for us to confront ourselves and realize that we're in the same group as Pharaoh. God, I pray that there's not shame here right now, that no one feels like, man, I just, yeah, I, I just pray there's no shame. But God, I do pray that there is a sense in our hearts where we realize that we need help. And so God, with this message and talking about sin, will we realize that we're not better than anybody else? And no one else is better than us. We're all in the same boat. Without you, we are in a boat going over a waterfall without a paddle. We need a Savior. And so, God, we ask, would you save? Would you show us how you love us and how you want to save us? We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen.